0: Well, we're in a series called The Great Omission, and that's inspired by the writings and the the teachings of a guy named Dallas Willard, who uh, looked at the church in our day, and he said that that, um, discipleship, the making and maturing of disciples, is the great missing piece in the church today. Now, last week, uh, Jay Lee talked about this one key word in the life of a disciple. Anyone remember that word? Abide. The one thing we're called to do and to be more than anything else in this world, our number one job is to abide in Jesus. And when that happens, when we're connected to Jesus, the result of that, and this is what we're going to look at today, each and every one of us is gifted in a unique way to participate in the life and love that God has for the whole world. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 12, and there is a Bible there in front of you. I would encourage you to open that up. I think it's page 1205, Romans 12, and we'll start in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone, everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And Paul goes on to list these seven giftings. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his or her teaching, the one who exhorts, In their exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And that's where we'll end the reading. God has given us and wired us with unique giftings and passions. It's the way you see the world, and it's different than how I see the world. It's what makes your heart beat really fast there's an old cartoon with these two doctors dancing around like crazy, and they're snapping their fingers, and they're kicking up their legs, and then a third doctor was holding on to a stethoscope, talking to a patient, and he said, I have some bad news, and I have some good news. The bad news is you have an irregular heart rhythm. The good news is the beat is irresistible. <laughs> Which that seemed kind of funny to me when I was looking at that last week, but context is everything. There's something in your heart that makes your heart beat in a way that doesn't make mine, a cause, a challenge, an initiative, something that you're so passionate about. And that is a gift from God. It's wired into you. And one of the keys to maturing as a disciple, and apprentice of Jesus, is waking up to and embracing this unique wiring. And I'm grateful to uh, my longtime teacher, Daryl Johnson, for his insights into this, now, what Paul does in Romans 12 is he walks through seven kinds of wiring or gifting. And this comes straight from the text in Romans 12. These seven giftings, prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, generosity, leading, and mercy. Now, that number seven in the Bible, as uh, we've talked about here and there, seven is the number for completeness. It symbolizes perfection. When Dak throws seven touchdowns later tonight, biblically speaking, that would be a perfect game, and Jay Lee would be in a perfect mood for at least one more week. Seven is the number of, com- of perfection, completion. In other words, through the Holy Spirit, God has gifted and graced the body of Christ with complete and perfect grace, and this has been super helpful to me in my life and in ministry and making sense of how we actually grow and mature as disciples of Jesus. That every apprentice of Jesus is gifted in one of these seven ways. And none of these giftings can fully function without the others. Verse three, Paul says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Your gifting is no better than anyone else's gifting. But you need everyone else's gifting in order for us to come together to have this complete and beautiful mission in the world. Now, what I'm hoping that we can do today, and this might feel a little bit different than a normal sermon, whatever that means, but we're gonna walk through each of these seven giftings and the idea is that you and I can be thinking about, how has God wired or gifted me to join in his redemptive work in the world? And here's why this is so important and why this is more than just a fun Enneagram session. The reason this matters is if you have unique giftings that you're not using and deploying for the good of the church and the good of the world, then all of us miss out. It's not just you that's missing out. The whole body and the whole world misses out. But before we do that, I want to tell a story. It's kind of a way of uh, illustrating this, and it's original to a guy named uh, Bruce Bugby. I told this story at 9.30. They really didn't seem to like it, so I almost cut it from the 11 but I'm I'm gonna tell it is that okay we're gonna see alright it wasn't too long after creation when the animals got together to form a school and they wanted the best school possible offering their students a well-rounded curriculum of swimming running climbing and flying in order to graduate all the animals had to take all the courses the duck was excellent at swimming he owned everybody else in the water He was only making passing grades at climbing, and he was getting an F in running. That duck was so slow in running that he had to stay after school every day to practice. And there was only marginal improvement, uh, because his cute little webbed feet had gotten so badly worn. And then with such worn-out feet, he was actually struggling at swimming, which made the duck kind of discouraged. The rabbit was at the top of her class in running, But after a while, she was getting exhausted from all the time she spent in the water trying to marginally improve at swimming. And so then her 40-yard dash time began to suffer. The squirrel was a peak performer in climbing. But he was constantly frustrated in his flying class. (laughs) His body got so bruised from all his crash landings that he didn't end up doing very well in climbing either. And so he was discouraged. The eagle was a continual problem student she kept being called into the principal's office for being a nonconformist. for example in climbing class she would always beat everyone else to the top of the tree but insisted on using her own way to get there okay by now you're getting the point each animal had a unique gifting and when they did what they were designed to do they flourished but when they tried to operate outside their area of gifting, they were not nearly as effective. I mean, think about this. Can ducks run? Sure. Is that what they're best at? No. And so here's what Bugby says. He says, churches are full of running ducks. <laughs> People trying to do the best they can, but they're trying to do the things that they're not gifted to do. What if we could get the ducks in the water and the squirrels in the trees and the birds in the air? Do you think it'd make a difference? Everyone would be able to flourish in their areas of gifting. Except for the cats, because they don't have any gifts. (laughs) That was my addition to the fable. Just let the emails fly. You have been gifted and wired by God. It's the unique way in which you can grow and thrive and contribute and flourish. No one is fully gifted in all of these ways, Not, no one but Jesus. Sometimes training can help us marginally improve in areas outside our gifting, but the key is to figure out how did God uniquely wire and gift me? And so the idea here is that one of these giftings or wirings will be dominant in each of us. And as we walk through these seven giftings, be thinking about your life, what you're learning about the way that God wired you. And we'll start with a gifting that kind of gets a bad rap or is misunderstood, especially in Presbyterian uh, frozen chosen circles. It's the gift of prophecy. Now this word prophecy simply means to speak forth. We sometimes assume that it always means to, uh, to foretell, to predict the future but that's just a part of it. Prophecy is the ability to speak a fresh word from God for God's people. And like any other gift, this is not something we can manufacture on our own, but, but someone who's abiding in Jesus, connected to Jesus, and wired by God with this gifting, this sensitivity to what the Lord is saying for the good of his people. You ever been around someone like that? They just seem to be able to tap into this wisdom and insight, like, here's what I think God might be saying, or this is where I think God might be leading us together. Could be a a word of warning, or comfort, or challenge, or encounter, an invitation to go deeper, but when it happens, when they speak, people know that they've heard from God. If this is your gifting, you're always thinking in terms of what could be or what might be possible, even if it sounds impossible to everybody else. And you find yourself saying things like, it it doesn't have to be this way. God has more for us. And if this is your gifting, then a big word for you might be truth. You need to see reality as it really is. And the thing that gets you most riled up, most upset, is falsehood lying like there's no greater sin and when you see that deception you can't help but call it out now with each of these giftings there's also a kind of shadow side this is the place where god will need to grow you and refine you and mature you along the way and for prophecy the shadow side is that you can be easily wounded by criticism you might jump to conclusions too quickly or step in where you're not needed or you haven't been invited you tend to take responsibility that things that you weren't responsible for. Anybody resonate with that? So that's prophecy, and I'm going to try to keep the pace up here. Uh, then secondly, there's service. The, the word here is uh, diaconia. We got any uh, deacons in the house? This is your word, diakonia. Uh, now, just to be clear, all of us are called to serve, It's not just the deacon's jobs or the people with this gifting. When you go to put a dirty dish in the dishwasher and you discover that it's full of clean dishes, you can't opt out of emptying said dishwasher because God didn't wire you with the gifting of diaconia. Right? That would be bad theology, bad hermeneutics, and bad for your marriage. All of us are called to serve. But for some of you, this is your primary gifting, to give tangible immediate acts of service that meet the needs of others. If this is your gifting, you tend to see the need before other people do and your heart starts to race and you have to respond. No task is beneath you. You can serve even with a joyful spirit. In fact, it is your joy in serving that shows the rest of us who aren't primarily wired or gifted in the way that you are, that it really is true that it is better to serve than to be served, which is why the church so needs you to lead out of your gifting. Now, the shadow side of this is your gift is that when your service isn't recognized, you can grow resentful. You tend to get overcommitted because there's so much need. And you can sometimes be a bit pushy about all the needs that need to be met and how everyone else needs to be pitching in. Does that resonate with any of you? Then there's teaching. Teaching is the thoughtful unpacking and applying of Scripture. This gifting is all about helping people understand and, and bring to life the truth in God's Word. And you can just, I mean, you can see the invaluable need for that in the church, in our day, to help preserve and pass on the promises of God and the, the truth of God from one generation to the next. If this is your word, uh, your gifting, then your word might be, or a word for you might be, Precision faithfulness to the text you love to study and research and and dig into the text and and when you see that light begin to go on in someone else's mind nothing nothing gets you more excited than that now the shadow side with this gifting is that you can sometimes take doctrine a little too far and you might miss out on the relationship with jesus That's really at the heart of all this. And then because of the way you're wired, you can even allow good theology to get in the way of of real relationships with people who maybe don't believe or see things exactly the way that you do. Does that resonate with any of you? So that's teaching. This fourth gifting, exhortation. Now that's a less familiar word for a lot of us, so I want you to see the Greek here. Paraklese. Para, alongside, place, called. One who is called alongside. Think about other words like that paralegal, paramedical. One who comes alongside to help, to build up, to comfort, to counsel, to convict. They come alongside to help someone take steps toward Jesus, walking with others, helping them move toward Jesus. And when that happens, when you get to witness, Someone who begins to take those steps toward Jesus, nothing lights you up more. Now, the shadow side here, um, it's a little like those with the prophetic gifting. You can sometimes jump in where you're not needed. You can get impatient when people aren't willing to move on to that next step. You're vulnerable to coming alongside too many people, and you can get overwhelmed. Does that resonate with anyone? Okay, then there's generosity. Again, like serving, um, we're all called to give. Nobody gets to opt out of being a generous person because it's not your wiring. But if God has gifted you uniquely in this way, then there is a sacredness to the act of, of, of laying down that gift of generosity that just, it comes to life in you. And one of the ways that you can see this in someone is not so much what you see in them, but how they are the catalysts that help to unleash generosity in the church and for the sake of our city and for gospel movements around the world. And for whatever reason, God just uses them to create that spark. Now, to be clear, this is not about the amount. This is not a who gives the most kind of gifting. It's it's about your wiring and how when you begin to step into that passion and you see it make the impact in the church, it ignites a spirit of generosity and of joy in the body of Christ. If this is your gifting, you're the kind of person nobody has ever heard you say, we don't have the funds for that. Like that's not in your vernacular you're not ashamed to talk about money because you know that it's all gods. We're all just temporary stewards. And when you see a new ministry or a new kingdom project take off, you're the one saying, what's it going to take? Let's make this happen. Nothing gets you more amped up. Just a quick shadow side to this generosity gifting. There can, there can be a little bit of a temptation in wanting to make sure that certain projects get, get, get launched Um, because you know the impact they can have, there is this tendency to become a little manipulative or controlling along the way. Does that resonate with any of you? Then there's leading, okay? We got two more. Now, leading is a military term. It, it, It means to stand up before others. These are the folks who just have a tendency to step out first in order to get things moving in our tradition this is one of the things one of the primary giftings of elders we just had our elder retreat this weekend a sacred hallowed prayerful time together but they're responsible to steward our vision to be looking out ahead of us and when it's time to take a bold step or they sense god calling us to take a new hill or a new challenge they're willing to go first if this is your primary gifting, you might find yourself drawn to not out of pride or power trip or just ego need to be in charge, but you tend to find yourself in settings where people are looking to you to get the, the team rallied, to galvanize people to go after something. You find yourself saying things like, We're in this together. This matters. We can do this. We ha- I'll go first. You're a team builder. You're willing to make tough calls and to face the consequences even when it's hard. Now the shadow side of this gifting is if you don't learn to delegate, you can burn out. And sometimes the spiritual practices of prayer and Sabbath rest and silence, that can be harder for you. Sometimes accomplishing the vision can get in the way of your building healthy, deep, transparent relationships. Does that sound like Any of you? So that's leading. And the last gifting Paul mentions, and certainly not the least, is mercy. Mercy is the ability to feel with, to suffer with others, just as Jesus did for us. He he was drawn toward those who suffered, whether they deserved it or not. If this is your gifting, then words like compassion, bearing with, unconditional love, it's like your heart goes out of your body to feel what others are feeling and you can't help but want to do something in response. But then your shadow side, if this is your wiring, is that in your need to simply be there for the person who's hurting, you can sometimes get stuck in situations where the other person really isn't, they're stalled out, they're not making any progress. Codependency can become a trap for you. Anyone here with that kind of gifting ever found yourself sort of trapped like that? So these are the seven giftings. Now, as you ruminate and think about this, let me, let me share one more story. And I am grateful to Glenn Thorpe for the inspiration on this one. Is this landing somewhat with some of you? I know that we're kind of walking through a lot here. Let me let me try to uh, animate this. So imagine in a worship service, imagine that I am walking down the center aisle and I am carrying in my hands, in one hand I have the commu- the... the The bread and the communion wafers all those communion elements in my other hand i'm carrying and i'm trying to be as appropriate as possible because you're a very intimidating bunch but i've got the the jar the jug or the chalice of the wine and i'm bringing the communion elements very carefully into the church and i'm walking down this rather long uh, uh center aisle and then i come to these beautiful red carpet steps and I'm making my way up onto the chancel and I'm just trying to do a good job of this. And as I get off the steps and I step onto the chancel and I'm about to place all these communion elements on the communion table, I trip over a microphone cord and I face plant on the chancel. And the communion wafers go everywhere and they're, they're even falling into the cracks in between the keys on the organ and so me's upset about that. And the wine just goes, I mean, it's all over the place. Greg Hobbs is, there's friendly fire everywhere. And so the grape juice has just exploded and I'm super embarrassed. And we're just trying to figure out like, how do we even redeem this? So imagine with me, that happens. And there are seven of you, seven different people watching this, seven of you with unique giftings and each one of you is going to respond out of your own gifting. Are, are, Are you tracking with me here? Okay. So first, Mercy says, it's okay, Dunny. It can happen to anyone. They know I'm embarrassed, they know I'm ashamed, they put their arm around me. Then leadership speaks up and says, Callum, quick, go get a broom and a dustpan, grab a mop while you're at it. Uh, Jay Lee, would you go get some duct tape and and, uh, tape those cords down? Emily Skates, can you run to Tom Thumb as quickly as possible and buy another loaf of bread and some more grape juice? And T. Hardy, where's the clerk of the session? T, would you ask the operations committee and the worship committee to look into the problem of all these cords? Generosity says, wait, Emily, before you go to the store, here's my credit card. I'll take care of all the elements. In fact, while we're at it, I'm going to buy Brian a new shirt because his is covered with juice stains and and I'm going to... Pay for some new pyramids because they are stained beyond recognition. The pyramids that go on the communion table, and you know what? I'm going to make a gift so the church can get a new wireless AV system so that this never happens again. <laughs> Exhortation. Exhortation says, "Dunigan, next time you should just walk around the cords." And I've been walking with you for a while. You just need, you need to be more upfront about what you want that chancellor to look like. I mean, let's be honest. Those chords have bothered you since the day you began here at Highland Park, haven't they? <laughs> Teaching. Teaching says the reason this happened is threefold. <laughs> First, Cords should never be left unsecured. Second, there is a better way to do this. The elements should be preset on the communion table so as to avoid Brian's clumsiness. And third, let's just not have Brian anywhere near the communion table for now on because that's not his area of core gifting. (laughs) Service. Service says, here, let me clean up the mess. Then prophecy. Finally, prophecy chimes in says, this is what happens when you're not careful. (laughs) Do you see the parable in this? Cords are always lying in our path. The evil one is always trying to trip us up. Therefore, you need to stay vigilant and awake to the dangers around us, visible and invisible. So, do you see yourself anywhere in that story? Again, which response is the most like Jesus? Which one is the most Christ-like? all of them and see those of you those of you who've maybe been around a church or this church for a while serving leading volunteering in different ways you might be able to see how so much of the tension and the conflict in the church often emerges when one person with a certain wiring or gifting expects that everybody else is gonna respond to the messes of life in the same way. Maybe that's part of why the church seems to churn through and burn out so many people in ministry. It's not that they're doing too much, it's that they're operating outside of their gifting. Does that make any sense? Now, let me just name one last thing, which at least for me has been a temptation and we're, we're almost done here. I remember the first time that I entered into this world of of gifting, Romans 12. I was in seminary, and we were studying this, and and if I'm honest, there was a part of me, as we made our way through these seven giftings, part of me wanted to sort of rank them in order of preference. Like, man, I really hope that I have the gift of, and fill in the blank, or I definitely hope that my primary wiring is not. And, you know fill in the blank as if there was some depth chart or power ranking for the best and most important gifts the honest truth is that when I was younger I was so drawn to the gift of teaching because I admired that gift when I saw it in others and I wanted to be like that my heroes and so if we were to break out into groups in that class based on what we sense was our primary gifting, I would have tried to find a way to sneak into the teaching group even if I knew deep down, I'm, I'm not sure that's how God has wired me. I wish it was, but I don't, I don't think it is. Now some of that just comes with time and with failures and with bumping up against reality and listening to the counsel of others. But this is part of the journey of maturing as a disciple. All these gifts, they're indispensable. None are more valuable than others. And a maturing disciple abiding in Jesus will learn to live and serve and joyfully engage more and more out of their unique gifting. And I just want you to imagine with me before we pray, imagine a community like this, where each and every one of us is learning to live into our unique and indispensable gifting what do you think the redemptive potential of this Highland Park Church could be if every one of us who claimed to follow Jesus if we were led by the Holy Spirit to unleash our gifts for the sake of the least in our world and not out of obligation and not out of guilt but in joyful surrender to God imagine the redemptive potential of what God could do in and through this church. So Jesus, we trust that you can do that. Would you show us, lead us, nudge us, help us to see the ways you've wired and gifted each of us to join you and bring in hope to this hungry, lonely, lost world. And God, that journey of waking up to how you wired us, it may not look like what we had planned or intended, but as we remain connected in you, dependent on you, Jesus, would you pour out through us, your gifts for the sake of this world. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.